Hey everyone, happy holidays. It's David back with another one of our holiday chat features. And today I'm talking with Nick and we're going to be talking about the catering business. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm doing well. I hope you are. I am. I am. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us about this deal that you're looking at? Okay. So my name's Nick and I'm I'm currently in the catering business. been catering now for about 12 years. I work for a large caterer. I am their operations manager. Okay. And I'm currently thinking about purchasing another catering business uh, that's focused around uh, antique um, pizza truck with a uh, authentic Italian wood-fired pizza oven on it. So it would be on site, uh, making fresh pizzas for weddings, corporate events, and and so on. So it's it's like a uh, it's like a food truck that people book in advance, and you do more than just the pizza. You probably arrange the beverages and the dinnerware and all that kind of stuff too. Could do beer and wine, uh, could do salads, but it is a limited menu because you're actually cooking on site. Okay, all right, and and the what what do you want to discuss with me today? You want to talk about the business that this business that you found you might potentially want to buy. Exactly. The valuation and just whatever pitfalls you can see. Okay. So how did you come to find this deal? So I was actually uh, on a catering event. I was catering a wedding. Yeah. And uh, I was doing the appetizers with my catering company, the appetizers, as well as a, a mac and cheese bar. And this pizza truck was doing the pizza for the actual entree for the wedding. Okay. So I met the owner there and I was just in awe of the truck because it's a gorgeous, uh, antique, international harvester, just beautiful, beautiful truck. And I was in awe of it. And so I had a conversation with the guy and I said, I love it. I said, if you're ever interested in, in, in selling the business, he goes, well, actually, Steve, I'm working on something right now. And if that comes through, then I would be interested because I couldn't do both things at the same time. Okay. And so this guy who owns a catering truck, is it basically him or just him and a small staff? Um, small staff and his son is his main guy. Okay. And do you have any kind of numbers on the business of what they've been doing? I do. He sent me numbers. Okay. So what, for how many years, how long has he been going? So 2019 was his first year. Obviously, 20 through the pen, 2021 through the pandemic. And then last year, 22, I have the numbers on this year. Okay. So what does the total sales look like for those four years? Oh, okay. Well, that, let me see. So for 2020, which was a limited year, I think he started in August and finished in December. And so that was his first year and he did 30,753 in sales. Okay. 2021, he did 216,579 in sales. Okay. 
And for this year, he's got $247,000 in sales. Okay. And, and so he does have, he does have bookings for next year. Okay. Uh, about $84,000 worth of bookings for 23. Okay. And so what do his expenses look like? Does he have, how does he have it itemized? Does he have his direct costs, like the food, paper costs? I can go over it with you. Yeah. I'm just wondering what the total of his, his costs are. So we can get to get to the bottom what's left over for him. Okay. So cost of goods sold for 2022, he's got at 41,739. Mm-hmm. And then total expenses, 117.5. Mm-hmm. So he's giving me some different numbers. So on this one profit and loss, he's showing me, he was showing me for 2022 total revenue of 200,000. I think the other numbers he might've showed me would include cash, which he's not showing me on this PL sheet. So the 250 for 2022 probably had some cash in it. Okay. And so that, that 117.5, would that include the wages for all the other people, including his yes. Including his son, his son at fifty four five, and he's got contractors in there at contractors at nineteen seven. Okay, and are all the other? The contract is he has on the cost of goods. Yeah. Okay. And that, and sometimes direct labor in the food service business goes into cost of goods. So that's, it's not abnormal. It's just whatever they choose to do. Um, And so are all the other kind of business expenses there? Like, does he have expenses for insurance and cell phone and and repair and all that kind of stuff too? Okay. He's got it all. You want me to read the line items? I, I don't need to itemize it. I just want to make sure that stuff was there. So, so basically for 2022, yeah. he has close to 250 in sales and it looks like he's got about, um, um, 160 in expenses. So 250 minus hundred. Right. So he's left with about, um, 90,000 for himself. Now you mentioned cash. What, what opportunity does he have to make cash sales that he may not be declaring? What what kind of events would those be? Could be anything from a bar mitzvah to weddings. You know, I don't know. He he just mentioned it to me off the cuff on my first meeting with him. Mm-hmm. So he said, you know, I do get some cash sales, and uh, you know, I didn't I didn't dig into it whether or not he's declaring it or not, but it looks like he's not. Okay, so I guess the reason why I was asking is I'm I'm wondering if he just does catering jobs or if he sometimes will go to events where he's he's acting more like a food truck, like just selling pizzas by the slice to passersby and stuff like that. Yeah, or, just, just catering events. He doesn't, it's not a food truck license. So he's got a, he's got a commissary and he's licensed through his commissary. His, um, his board of health goes through the commissary, not through a food truck. 
And his commissary, does he rent that or does he own that place? Yes, he rents it. And the rent is in the numbers that you saw? It's it. It's in the numbers, yeah. And it's okay. expensive. I think I could do much better on a commissary than what he's paying. And, and what's he asking for this business? You know, I haven't gotten to that yet. I figured I was going to talk to you and get your advice and I'd make him an offer. But he did send me two business valuation calculators. One he's got listed at 220 and the other one he's got it valued at 394. Okay. So I did a quick, quick look and I'm going to change what I'm looking at because while he operates from a truck, this very much is a catering business. It's not like a catering truck or a food truck. As you said, it's exactly. a different kind of license, different kind of operation, right? Exactly. Yes. So when I look up, I have access to a couple of different databases here. One of them is a bunch of comments and anecdotal feedback from business brokers that work in, in this industry. And what the this one says is that these businesses often sell for about 35 to 40% of their annual revenue. So, and then, and then there's some more. So we're going to look at this from a couple different angles. So if I take $250,000 and I multiply that by 0.35, I end up with 87.5. And if I take 250 and multiply it by 0.4, I end up with a hundred. So from that point of view, this business from a, a revenue point of view, rule of thumb, it's worth, let's say 85 to hundred K. Now, I also have another bit of information here that says that businesses in the catering space with revenue under a million can sell for about 1.6 times SDE. And that SDE is the total profit to an owner manager that works full time. So we're going to call that 90,000 or SDE. So this would be 1.6 times 90 gives me 144,000. Now, I also did some research where I, I have a big database of, of say past transactions that have occurred. And I'm going to put in some parameters here. So I'm going to put in that I only want catering businesses with 200,000 to 275. And I'm just going to see how many it gives me. It only gives me six results. Okay. So I, I can work easily enough with that. Now, when I look at these six different transactions here, they have revenues. I'm going to sort them by revenue. So I've got one that did sales of 200,000 and it sold for 82,000. And I have one that did sales of 212,000 and it sold for 60. And here's another one with sales of 230, it sold for 67,000. And here's one with a quarter million in sales that sold for 79,000. And here's one with a quarter million in sales that sold for 71,000. So, I mean, this is all pretty consistent. It's actually consistently lower than what we were initially talking about, looking at the rule of thumb. And, and the reason why is because, well, rules of thumb are pretty awful to use for valuing businesses because they tend to be trying to right. be average, you know, catch all sort of thing. But the, the reality is, is that this is a pretty small business. And so, right. so you know, if, if 
you owned this business and you had to hire me to be the manager of it and do all the day-to-day functioning, booking, sales, management, operations, et cetera, what would you have to pay me? Like what's a going rate for a manager in the catering world for a salary? Uh, 60K. 60K. So this person that's that's operating this business to earn 90, basically what they've done is they've invested a bunch of their own money not to earn 90, but to earn an extra 30. Because if they didn't right. have their own business, they'd have the skills to go and do that job somewhere else, right? And right. so that's why for such a small business, we're seeing these kinds of, of sale prices. Because when people look at these small catering businesses, they're asking, well, what is it really worth to me to get an extra 30 grand in annual salary? And we can see here, people are paying like an extra 60, 70 grand that makes sense to people, right? Right. The problem this guy has is that he's probably got a whole lot of money invested in that truck. Sure. I got his uh, his balance sheet. And it probably shows what he what it, his outlay was to build that thing or to buy it. I'll give it to you. Yeah, I think I think the truck probably cost him about close to two hundred k. Hold on one second. Okay. So on this balance, he's he's got it depreciated, accumulated depreciation of 76 k. Mm-hmm. Antique pizza truck at valued at one thirty seven. And restaurant equipment, he's got a couple of reach-in fridges, a uh, big Hobart mixer. Mm-hmm. He's got listed at twelve five. Okay, so is that one thirty after the depreciation? Like, does it say it was two hundred? I, I would, I would think so. Yeah. Okay, so you know, so he's invested a lot of money. Right. He's invested a couple hundred grand in order to earn himself an extra thirty over over what he would earn if he became a manager in this industry. Uh, right. And, and he would appear to have those skills. And so this is a case of what I call zombie capital or dead capital. Right. Because he's he's invested a bunch of money. Um, and the, the example I often use is that if you bought a thousand dollars of stock in the telephone company and then the next day you looked online and saw that it went down, you knew you would know right away you lost some of your money. Um, what this guy has done is he's invested a lot of money into this truck and the commissary and all the outfitting, and he doesn't have a mechanism that tells him the value of his business. And so he he doesn't know yet that he hasn't created a cash flow stream, which would warrant the investment he's made in this business. Right. Right. Um, and so it's difficult because... <clears throat> You know, really, he's got a business that's worth like half of what he invested in the truck. Right. So what are you earning right now? Uh, Close to six figures. Right. So for you to buy this business, you would basically be trading a six-figure income for one that's a little bit less, and you'd have to invest money in order to do it. Right. Now, I know you always say and never buy into blue sky, but there's a lot of blue sky in this business. Mm-hmm. Uh, the potential for growth is enormous because yeah. um, 
I already have connections at every uh, major catering venue. So I could go instantly and shake a few hands and be on their preferred catering list within a week of every venue in the area, as well as I have close contacts with a lot of corporate personnel where I do corporate catering now. It wouldn't be a conflict of interest because the company I work for doesn't do pizza. Mm -hmm. So I could easily set up contracts with a lot of big corporate companies in the area and have a lot, like I said, there's a lot of blue sky, Yeah, but I would never want to pay for that because that's my work. Right. So, so the, the way the, the, the only way that I can think of that this could end up being a worthwhile thing is that you would have to look at it from the point of view of you starting a business. And you would say, if I was starting this business, you know, knowing what you know about his performance, you probably wouldn't want to buy all the stuff he has. But then that leads me to the next question. Would he be willing to lease you this truck? Don't know. Because if you can make a deal with him where you could lease it with an option to buy it, then that could change everything because then you could get into this new business of yours with very little money down. And you could so, try to build this thing up. But if you, if, and if you did achieve the success you thought you'd exercise your option to purchase the truck and you'd buy it with a loan or what have you. But if you never were able to really build it up to make it worthwhile, then you would have not invested the money. Right. So lease, lease to buy the whole business because he's, he's an LLC. He's got a website. You know, it wouldn't just be the truck. Well, I mean, yes. And so he would have to be willing to do that kind of thing for you. Right. Yeah. And and so I'm not talking about buying it with a seller note, which represents a debt. I'm saying if you go to him and make a deal and say, look, I'll I'll take over your business. I'll lease all your equipment from you. I'll pay you, you know, four or five grand a month to rent everything. I want an option to buy the stuff from you but I need a year to build this thing up before the numbers warrant the investment in the equipment. Because right now, if you take these financials into any bank, you'll never get approved for a loan for that stuff. Got it. Because the, the cash flow just isn't there. Got it. Got it. Even with the equity in the truck, you couldn't, you couldn't get a loan based on what the truck is worth. Well, no, because I mean, what kind of purchase price are you talking about? Because He's only got a seller's discretionary earnings of 90K. Out of that, you would have to take home money for yourself. You'd have to pay your income taxes. You'd have to cover any any capital expenditure, any extra thing, and debt service. Right. So if you're pulling home almost six figures right now, you're going to take a serious haircut on your personal income for as long as you're making payments on this. Right. Whereas if he'll agree to lease you the business for a set monthly payment and you know that you can make that payment from the cash flow in the business, that then gives you time to grow this thing. And if you can hit, like, let's say in 2023, you get it up to half a million in sales, that would probably change everything. Right. And then buying the stuff from him would make sense. At a pre-agreed to price I, prior I to say, prior to the blue sky. 
Right. Like, like right now, his business, you could make an argument is worth whatever the stuff is worth. Right. An asset sale. And then just, just the assets. Yeah. So, you know, the truck probably has a certain value because it's an antique truck. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's always going to trade as an antique truck, even if somebody took the oven off of it and, and made it into a, a, a piece for float for doing parades and stuff. Right. It's, it's always going to have a certain value in that respect, but with his numbers, it doesn't warrant the investment because right, right now it couldn't even produce a cash flow to you. That would be equal to your salary. Right. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. So what would you think the the offer would look like as far as the leasing and and the the asset purchase? Well, what do you think all the stuff is worth? You know, we, we know that the truck, well, let's just guess. Let's say the truck's worth 150 and the other equipment that he has is worth another 15, right? Right. So that's 165. So you know, I would offer him maybe twenty five hundred a month to to use all the stuff and the name to lease the business from him. And now you would create your own entity, and you'd sign a lease with his entity. And part of that lease would be using the name, so a, a licensing agreement of the name. But then you would also want an option to be able to purchase all that stuff for one hundred sixty five grand when you decide you want to. And does that that twenty five hundred dollar a month go into that price or no? I That's would ask just... for that. I would ask for it. <laughs> would you? He probably wouldn't agree, but I would ask. Right. For, right. And 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 just explain to him like right now, even though your business appears to be going good from your point of view, if I was in your shoes, I out of the ninety k, I would have all of these things coming out. I would starve. Right. And 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 the bank isn't going to agree to this because they know there's not enough cash flow there. So, right. so the only way that you're ever going to ultimately make the purchase of this equipment is to build it up on your own. But of course, you don't, you don't want to pay him for that work you're going to do. You, you want to lock in your option to purchase now. Got it. And you would have, uh, I would have a lawyer draw all up that, that agreement. Yeah. So that my, my LLC would lease from his LLC the rights to the business. And I would do all the business going forward. And I guess he would retain the right to pull it back if something, if I didn't pay his lease terms. Yep. If you didn't make the lease payment. And so it'll be up to the attorney, uh, wherever you live, uh, what kind of agreement that would be. It might be a lease to own. It might be a rental agreement with an option. Like different, different states have different kinds of agreements for this sort of thing. But you basically come to an agreement with the fellow of what the deal is going to look like. You write it down as best you can. Then you bring it to the attorney and you say, this is what we've agreed to. And then they'll do the paperwork for you. Right, right. Got it. Good stuff. Yeah. Good um, stuff. I think it sounds like a really cool thing. There was actually a wedding in my neighborhood this summer. And they had uh, a catering truck come and serve everyone from the street. And it, it meant that there were none of the caterers were in the house or in the kitchen. It kept all the mess outside. Uh, I thought it was a pretty neat idea. I actually hadn't seen that before. Uh, yeah. This past summer. Yeah. I hadn't seen it either until I actually worked 
the same event that he was at. And it, it wasn't like a, a normal uh, food truck in that it wouldn't come out of a window. So right. the truck opens up to a big awning and you could see the pizza cooking in the, the wood burning oven. And, and he, um, you know, he pre-makes the pizzas so that he could serve 150 people and he could have the food ready within the 20 minute period. Wow. Yeah. So, and then he would set it up catering style where they would just come through a line and pick up the slices that they want. And he offers four or five different types of slices. And uh, it's an all you can eat buffet where it's like 26 styles ahead. So, I mean, it's a good platform. It really is. There's a lot of blue sky, as I said. And so I'm just wondering how big you'd have to get before it would ever make sense to add a second vehicle. Exactly. Or, or do you think that the second one you add would be a different concept? I would add a second one, but maybe not as high end as the antique truck. So I can get a wood burning pizza trailer, yeah. much less expensive. And it wouldn't have the ambiance of this antique truck, but I could send it out to events at maybe a little bit of a discount for people that weren't interested in the ambience. They just wanted the fresh wood burned pizza oven pizza. You know, he's already got, I think he turned away. He turns away a lot of business that he can't do because he can't do more than one party in a day. Yeah. And, and I would imagine that's a problem in the catering business in general is that a lot of events are planned for the same dates on the calendar. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but so I've watched my, my company scale from a million dollars in sales. to one I work for now to this year, they're going to be doing close to 5 million. Wow. So I've been, I've been there the whole time and, and I've been part of a big part of it scaling to that amount. So we can do five weddings on a Saturday and we do multiple events. We could do 15 parties during the week for corporate drop-offs and, and service meals. So I, I've seen I've seen it scale and I know I can and I'm a big part of it. So I know I can I could I could duplicate it. And and so, you know, we're, we're you know, th this is an interesting conversation for me because, you know, let me ask you this. Before you saw this pizza truck. Were you dreaming about owning your own business? Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily catering. You know, my other idea is to get into like an auto repair business because I've had a, maybe 10 years of life experience in the auto business in sales and service. Okay. So, so that's, my, that's my second concept that I'll be calling you about. Well, this is what I wanted to ask because, because um, you know, a lot of people are in a position where they have a pretty good thing going. I mean, your job is a pretty good job, right? You're being fairly paid and and you've been in a growing company. So obviously you feel there's job security there, right? They're, Absolutely. They're on, their, they're on their way up. Um, you know, did you ever think about perhaps approaching the owner of your present company about, about doing this together or, or, you know, bringing him the opportunity in exchange for, for some kind of, um, you know, in advance in your career, like, because, because for him to buy it and add it to the, the array of things that the $5 million catering company would do would be far less risky than for you doing it. And I'm just wondering if that's a path of thought that you ever went down. I thought about presenting it to him if I, if I decided not to do it. Okay. 
but I didn't think about like a joint venture or just, yeah, I didn't think about it from that frame framework. Yeah. But I, I, it could be something he could easily bring right into the fold because he instantly he's the commissary. So that's yeah. out. And he could hire different staff to run it and it would be a no brainer and it would be very easy for him to roll it in. Yeah. I, I think it sounds like one of the hurdles here is going to be the seller because he seems to think it's worth a lot more than it is. Oh yeah. Don't they all? Yeah. They pretty much do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like he, he never, well, he sent me those two estimates, but we never talked numbers. And I told him, I said, I have advisors. I had full intentions of doing a conference call with you. And that once I conferred with them that I would, make an offer or, or talk to him further about it. So uh, I've never talked numbers with him because I didn't want to lead him one way or the other. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, what else then? I mean, is there anything else that you, that came up in those conversations that you think might be, might be material to this? Um, no, like I said, he did, he did say there was a cash component. So, you know, that could make a little bit of a thing, but, Honestly, the way you've spelled it out to me, it makes sense that it's too much of a risk and to take a pay cut for me, you know, even with the even with the blue sky involved. You and, know, and, and I mean, OK, so let's talk about that cash part, because um, he probably can't prove it to you. Right. Right. And and so there are a lot of people out there who if they figure out that their numbers aren't quite right, they will insinuate that, well, you know, I take some class, I'm going to take some cash as well. And it can't be proven. And then, you know, the question is, well, how do I protect myself? And so in this situation, we've got stuff that has a material value, you know, the kitchen equipment, the truck, et cetera. And really that's going to make, that's going to put the bottom on the pricing for this business. Because at the end of the day, you can always like auction or just sell the stuff off. Right. He can liquidate. Yeah. He can just liquidate it. But in businesses that, you know, have a, let's say his cash flow wasn't 90, let's say it was uh, 290. Okay. And that this business was worth half a million bucks. Okay. Let's just throw that out there. But it was based upon a good chunk of cash revenue that he couldn't really prove. What, what we would want to do in that situation is have a mechanism that, that, basically holds him to account, makes him responsible for those claims about the cash. So there was a pizzeria business that I did uh, where the seller was saying that there was a certain amount of undeclared cash in the business. And the the buyer and I formulated an offer and there was a a seller note. So I I, rough numbers from memory here, but I believe the business sold for about 150 grand with um, 50 grand being the note. And it was subject to offset in the case of a material misrepresentation. And it also had a a matrix, a performance matrix in the note. So this guy was claiming a certain amount of revenue over the course of the year. And I can't exactly remember what it was. I think it was might have been 300 grand in sales for the year. And so what we did in the in this note is we put in this matrix that in the first six months, if he did 150,000 of sales, then the note stood with full value. 50,000 with payments over five years, I think it was. But if he only did 140, then a certain amount was knocked off the note. If he did 130, a certain amount was knocked off the note and it went all the way down 
until it hit the level that was provable with the credit card sales and the, and the debit card sales. And so with that matrix, it was basically the seller had to put his money where his mouth was. And if the buyer didn't experience the same results, let's say there was no cash sales, then what would happen is that the seventh payment wouldn't happen. Right. And right. The, and, and and so my my question to the buyer before we did the deal was if it turns out this is all fake, that the guy's just lying, would you be happy buying this place for a hundred instead of the hundred and fifty thousand dollar deal that we have? And he said, Yeah. He said, he said, if you know, I couldn't build it for that, is what he said. Right. Okay. Right. And so he did the deal. And sure enough, the cash receipts were nowhere near what the guy claimed. And uh, I can't remember if it was entirely written off or most of it was written off, but like there were not many payments made to the seller. And the the buyer was disappointed because he felt that he had been fooled, but he was darn happy that he had set up the deal the way I had advised right. because he, he ended up paying a lot less. And, you know, I've, I've actually had calls with people who've done deals with it, that didn't set up these kinds of mechanisms and they bought them based on claims of cash, you know, cash revenue that didn't turn out to be there. And they were stuck because they basically signed a note saying they would pay X amount per month for, you know, so many years and there was no wiggle room and they'd go to lawyers and everything and were told, you know, you, you either pay it off or you default. And if you default, you lose all the money you've already given them in the business. Wow. And so this, this cash stuff, um, you know, a lot of people will point their fingers and say, oh, you shouldn't get involved in that kind of scenario. My opinion is that, you know, it's up to you how you run the business. You're, you right. certainly don't have to run it the way they've chosen to run it. Right. And a business that has that kind of behavior in it may still be a good business. You just have to protect yourself because you're literally buying something where part of the information is missing. Right. Yeah. Right. That makes perfect sense. And with the, with the uh, owner financing, that's your protection. Yeah. Because, because you can build in there a mechanism for, um, for offsetting or wiping it away if it right. doesn't perform the way that you were told. And if the numbers are legitimate, then the, the seller should have no problem with the agreement. Yeah, that's that's the whole you know psychology behind it. Because if the seller says no, I won't agree to that, then you say, well, why are you lying? Right, right. And I've heard all kinds of funny things come out of sellers' mouths. Like, well, what if what if he doesn't declare the cash that he's receiving? And I'm like, well, listen, you've had extra earnings all these years because you haven't been paying all your taxes. Did you not right. think? Did you not think that behavior would have a cost? Well, this exactly. is the, this is the cost. And, and a lot of the times those businesses, because they're not declaring all the cash income, the performance they are declaring on their tax returns isn't good enough to help a buyer get a loan. And so normally in these businesses, the seller notes end up being quite big because the buyers can't get financing. Because right. of, course, of course, the bank is going to go with the off what the tax return says. They have to. Yeah. So the seller wasn't thinking about his exit plan when he was uh, taking all that cash into his pocket. Now that a lot of people who run businesses are just thinking about the right now. Right. They're not, they're not really putting any thought into what the long-term consequence of their behavior and, and what, you know, their long-term plan is. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of business owners don't 
understand that they're developing and working on an asset that's a valuable thing they might sell one day. And, you know, a lot of people, this catering guy, for example, and I don't, I don't know him or anything, but you know, a lot of people that would have a business like that, they would consider themselves caterers or food right. service people. They don't consider themselves, you know, business people that are growing and developing an asset that they're going to sell one day in order to use the money for some other thing. And it's that, it's that positioning that, that way you think about yourself. I think that, that changes things. Uh, because I've, I've had a lot of people that will have, uh, you know, an epiphany when they start to realize, Hey, if I do things a little bit better, it can be worth a lot more when, when it comes time to put it on the market. Right. Right. Yeah. No, this is awesome, Nick. Anything else you want to talk with? We have a little bit of time left. No, I'm good, man. You were super helpful. I really appreciate your time. I love your videos. Like I said, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I'm a subscriber and I like them all. So I'm a thumbs up guy on all your videos. <laughs> Thank you very much for your support. I love that. And and good luck to you, man. Have a, have a great season this holiday season. I bet Christmas time is busy for you. Oh, it's crazy. 80 hour weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Make hay while the sun shines, right? <laughs> exactly. Thanks right. again. Have a great night. Okay. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.